2: Listen to the deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and our match report from Forest's 3 2 defeat on Saturday at home to Newcastle United. A 3-2 loss. How often have we said that recently? Newcastle took the lead through Bruno Gamares after five minutes before Forrest got on level terms through Anthony elanga There were two goals towards the end of the first half as Fabian Shaw put Newcastle ahead before Callum Hudson-Odoi grabbed the equaliser in the sixth minute of first half stoppage time. A decent second half followed from Forrest, um, but they were undone by an individual error as Ilanga's misplaced pass was punished by Gamares, meaning Newcastle got all three points. I'm your host, Baz. Uh, I'm your host, George. I've got Baz alongside me. Both of us were at the game. Um, Baz, Forrest were OK yesterday. They played quite well, had the better chances and in the end were perhaps unlucky not to get
0: anything from the game. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, my, my feeling at the end of it was disappointment more than anything else because I thought it was a overall it was a pretty decent performance. But yeah, we just couldn't defend ourselves and, and stay away from another 3-2 defeat. Yeah, how often have we said that recently? Quite a lot, I think.
2: Uh, we'll get onto the team news and the key events in a sec. But firstly, we'll get the view from the opposition from Jack from the Tune Under podcast.
1: Hi, it's Jack from the Tune Under podcast, uh, Australian based Newcastle supporters. First of all, this was good for us to get a bit of revenge from Boxing Day, the Chris Woods show. Um, so it was nice for us to to get the win we have been scoring a lot of goals lately we've also been conceding a lot so it maybe wasn't a surprise the game panned out this way uh, even though really there weren't that many clear chances for either side despite there was a lot of goals there was a lot of, sort of clinical finishing going on um, the game did play out kind of as, as expected I think so the, the control that we had in the first 25 minutes was really good obviously got the goal which was a really fantastic goal for us I know that Forrest have had problems with set pieces this season um, and we've actually been quite good with set pieces that was obviously a training ground one that worked out um, but I think as soon as Forrest scored with Alanga he kind of came back into it quite a lot and it was probably even from that point um, in terms of chances and possession so we, we saw it out, I think we saw it out well in the second half There wasn't there wasn't that many chances created against us the big one of course was the Penalty shout. First of all, terrible defending from us just to let a goal kick bounce through like that. Um, I think we got away with this, really. You'd be screaming for that if it was the other way around. Um, maybe Dubravka was saved by the fact that he didn't go into a, a Wayne with kind of force. He sort of pulled out a bit and then the striker initiated contacts. So when the referee had made that decision on the pitch, it's probably not going to get overturned as a clear and obvious error, even though there was clearly contact, and I think we we got away with that a bit. Um, so I think Forest. I know the, the home form is not being as good. I think uh, there's there's enough there to to see that they you know got decent players and are going to cause teams problems. Bruno was on one of his good games today, where he just steps up. He's a Brazilian international, and he does this from time to time, where he, he just plays plays so well uh, we were very scared about a this for this game after the St James's Park game against Dan Byrne but I think Howe managed to sort of put Dan Byrne into more of a back three today so there was less space apart from the goal that did happen of course um, so good luck to Forrest for the rest of the season good luck for the the court case that's coming up about the, the points deduction um, hopefully that goes your way and you stay in the Premier League for next season Cheers
2: Thank you, Jack. We'll get on to everything that Jack mentioned in a minute, but I think he's right. You can see why Newcastle uh, drew 4-4 to Luton uh, last week. They showed that at times defensively. We'll get on to team news then. From the last Premier League game, which was away at Bournemouth, there was one change as Moussa Niakate replaced Andrew Amabamadeli at the back. So Matt Sells was in goal. There was a back four of Nico Williams, Moussa Niakate, Murillo and Nuno Tavares. Nico Dominguez and captain Ryan Yates in midfield with Morgan Gibbs-White just ahead of them. Callum Hudson-Odoi and Anthony Langer on the wings, with Taiwo Awanyi up front on the bench. Uh, Matt Turner, Harry Toffolo, Felipe, Andrew Omobamadeli, Cheiku Kuyate, Danilo, uh, Reina, Giovanni Reina, Rodrigo Ribeiro and Divock Origi. So there's a few talking points there. I think firstly, Gibbs White passing the fitness doubts that we maybe had of him after we saw him hobbling around for the last uh, stoppage time against Bristol. I think the welcome return of Dominguez and Yates into midfield because I think those two are really missed. Against Bristol, they Danilo and Chiati often were a bit anonymous. And the big story then was Amabamadelli dropped Vinier Akato, which I agreed with, a bit more physical uh, prowess in there. And maybe Amabamadelli, although he started well, I think Murillo often has to cover for him. So for me, I think that was pretty much our strongest 11, Baz. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, given given the players we've got available, I think um, with Murillo as well, it's quite easy to forget that even though I think he's 22, 21, 22, but he's actually only been playing professional football for a year. He'd only been playing for six months for Corinthians when he came to us. So he's still, although he's a fantastic player, he's still quite inexperienced, even for a 22-year-old. So having an older head alongside him probably will help him out as well. Yeah, and I think it did um, throughout the 90s.
2: And we'll get onto the goals that Forrest conceded in a sec. But from kickoff, Newcastle made their intentions pretty clear. I, I was worried early on that it was going to be like the Arsenal game. And it was like walking football. Um, But after Forrest let Newcastle have the ball for the first few minutes, they took the chances to counter-attack. They'd make chances and press forward. A one-year created a chance for Forrest early on, about four minutes in. He received it uh, on the turn, sent it through for Tavares, left wing, who jetted forward. I thought the keeper might come for it. So Tavares got there as he didn't, got there into the box, then chipped it back in the middle or played it back into the middle for the on-rushing Gibbs-White. And he comes onto it in the box, decent position. I think he had a bit more time than he thought. Shoots it first time left-footed and it just whiskered wide at the bottom right corner. But it was a good move from Forrest and an
0: the lead would have been crucial in that game. Uh, yeah, it would have been good. It was kind of weird. So the the opening sort of 15, 20 minutes, I'd have said, apart from maybe that break, um, I was quite a little bit worried. I thought Gibbs-White looked exhausted. I thought the team looked a little bit off the pace and, and slow and Newcastle were... Proper dominating for the majority of, of the, the for, sort of first 10-15 minutes, apart from that, that little break there. But that break also explained what our game plan was for definitely for the first half, which was Botman and Dan Byrne especially aren't necessarily the fastest. And we've got a load of players who are, are pretty fast. So let's let let draw them forwards and then go and hit them.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't until later on in the game that we saw Forrest really exploiting it a bit more. But Forrest punished, uh, Newcastle were punished Forrest for their mistake early after about 10 minutes. It all started with Sean Longstaff bringing it from midfield, striding through Forest midfield like it wasn't there. No one uh, closed him down and he got a shot from about 25 yards that Sells put out for a corner. The resulting corner was tipped behind for another corner from the other side, from the right. And then it was Almoran who took it, and Forrest were expecting the ball into the box, but instead he takes it short for Trippier, who races from full-back to connect to it. Ilanga presses in, but doesn't get there as he whips it to the far post, and no-one sees Bruno Gamaras at the far post. It connects to it first time, volleys it back where it came from and into the bottom-right corner. And it was a decent routine, I suppose. You've got to hold your hands up for Newcastle for that, but Forrest can't
0: really leave and believe
2: in Kieran Trippier free from that position.
0: Now, well, this my my impression that as it as it happened was, um, yeah, we were expecting a ball into the box, and when it didn't happen, it was like we were utterly befuddled. We had no idea what was going on, and and so that's why Gamarish was was left on march was because we were so confused by the fact that they didn't do what we expected, and it's just naive and and childish, really. And it wasn't the
2: first goal that uh, Forrest would conceive from a set piece in the game, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Because as the goal went in, Newcastle carried on playing with their slow football. Trippius was sort of slotted in midfield. It was a back three. It was almost like Man City, how they were playing last season. Mm-hmm. But a key feature we saw in the reverse game was Danburn via Langer. And the first time we saw that was on 17 minutes. It was Nia Kate who played it into Tywa, who was holding it up. And he'd done that a few times early on. He did that for the earlier chance that I mentioned. And he finds Dominguez, who was facing forward. He fires it through to Ilanga, who's sort of the underlap and run down the centre of the uh, Newcastle defence. He beats Dan Burn, drives into the box, and from the right hand side gets a shot away. It's a huge chance, but he just puts it straight at the Bravka. You think from there in the box, he's really got to try and chip it or fire it into the corner. Until this time,
0: yeah. I mean, again, I, I have to say, I thought for for the, the beginning of the game, we were a little bit off the pace. And when when Alanga did that, I was thinking maybe he's not fully recovered. He's not fully sharp after his injury. And it's still going to take him a few sort of um, matches to get fully up to speed. But it turns out that wasn't the case. No,
2: uh, it took him a few minutes. So Boris oh, yeah. <laughs> did this again on 25 minutes. And it was Gibbs-White for the first time really getting on the ball at the edge of the box and driving forward. Because Lewis Marley was marking him out the game. I thought he did that really well. Mm. But Gibbs-White this time gets on the ball and he drives forward. And Ilanga making a similar run down through the middle of Newcastle defence. He plays it through perfectly. Dubravka this time chooses to come uh, and try and get to the ball as Elanga is rushing there. But he's always going to win the race uh, as the three Newcastle defenders and Dubravka De all tried to get to the ball. It was Ilanga who was the favourite for it. And you wonder what he was going to do, try and go around the keeper. But no, he composedly slots it under the goalkeeper. And he's a bit hot and cold in
0: goal scoring positions, Elanga, isn't he? But made the right decision this time. I, first of all, I have to say it was an absolutely perfect through ball from, yeah. from Gibbsby. The, the way he just cut through their defenders for Alunga to run onto, and then yeah, part of my heart was in my mouth a little bit as he as he went forwards. Dubravka started coming out after the uh, the shot before, but I don't know. It's almost like he underhit it because <laughs> it went in really slowly. It did. But the City ground was celebrated long before it
2: went into the net. I think we, unless (laughs) there was a pitch invader from the away end that was going to kick it away, it was always going to go in. And I think that really woke the game up. Suddenly, Newcastle looked a bit rattled. The City ground was quite vocal. Not that we've seen that really this season. Mm. And, you know, it was a good game. A lot's been spoken about Anthony Taylor, but challenges were flying in and he was letting a lot go.
0: So the game sort of really kicked into shape then, didn't it? Yeah, I mean... uh... A quick word about Anthony Taylor. He basically decided he was going to not stop the game for anything, um, which I have to say, probably, I and mean, we'll get on to the second half later, but it probably worked in our favour to some extent because I thought Yates could have been down for three yellow cards in the first half. But um, the other thing that I noticed then is after, after our goal, Newcastle's defence did look really, really shaky. They didn't like it when we played at them.
2: No, I don't think Forrest did that enough in the end. But you mentioned Yates nearly getting three mm-hmm. or four yellow cards. One of the challenges that he made actually cost Forrest because he made a pretty silly challenge on halfway. The ball had gone and I forgot who he brought down, but it was a pretty needless challenge and it presented yeah. Newcastle with a chance to hoist it forward. And with the height that they've got, I don't think you can keep giving them set-piece chances like this. So it was Trippier who hangs it into the, fat, uh, to the back post and... Forrest just let the ball drop. So then it comes to Botman. He nods it back in towards goal and Fabian Scher is free from eight yards. And he rifles it home. Very similar goal to one that he scored at Villa Park, I think, a few weeks ago. And I think Alan Shearer said on match of the day last night. Forrest have now considered the most set piece goals in the Premier League. And against Newcastle, like I said, you can't give them chances like that.
0: No, and again, it's the it's one of those things the same things set being said every single week, which is that's that second phase ball. So once the ball had been knocked down, it's like we got we get confused or get like rabbits in the headlights, and we don't know what to do to, to defend against it, because like if we don't get it on the first phase, then then we're just stuck. And that's basically what happened again is the same thing, naivety and and frailty.
2: Yeah, so the goal went in about three minutes before half-time. So if you went for an early pint or pie, you were punished <laughs> because stoppage time would eventually be all. Forrest. Uh, they had a chance, uh, shot for a penalty when Dan Byrne tussled the langer to the floor just sort of on the edge of the penalty area as he was driving into it. I think that was a bit soft, but Forrest just kept going. Um, and it was nice play between Dominguez before he cut inside, played a one-two with Hudson-Odoi as Hudson-Odoi received it back off him curls inside um, from the right-hand side and slots it towards the far corner. It deflects off Lewis Miley, who's right in front of him, and goes into the net, 51 minutes, a lot of stoppage time there. But Forrest got themselves back on level terms at half-time and Hudson-Odoi once again showing his quality, cutting him from the right, and the confidence that
0: he's started to show, really, over the last few weeks. It's about time. Yeah, I think this was one of his, one of his best games for us. Um, I think uh, early on in the first half, he didn't come forward very much, and I think that was partly because um Tavara Nuna Tavares was was there to look at Almiron and then Hudson Adoy was there to try and keep Trippier out of the game because Trippier's apparently got the most assists um in the Premier League. Um so but yeah, that bit after afterwards um he started going forwards, he started proving he was quite dangerous and it caused trippier problems because Trippier wanted to bomb forwards, but he couldn't do now. And yeah, and that that thing of him cutting in and then putting in that shot from the edge of the the box, that's becoming his little trademark there. Uh, He was a little bit fortunate, but it was a great, great uh, chance to make. It was. And you mentioned Tavares as well. I
2: think he's a a key part in why Hudson-Odoi has stepped up over the last few weeks and probably why Nuno chooses Tavares over Toffoli, because it was him that got that pass out for Hudson-Odoi before he did the one-two with Dominguez. And I think he really drives the team forward, which in turn gives us
0: some of confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think um, i will definitely say, in my view, uh, Tavares was probably our player of the match. Um, it's definitely his best performance for yeah. us. He was driving us forwards. He was attacking. He was decent defensively, which sometimes has been a bit of a question mark. Um, but yeah, he, he was making things happen for us today or yesterday, rather. Uh, So momentum
2: carried straight on into the second half that Forrest had at the end of the first. Straight from kickoff, they made a nice little move down the left, uh, culminated in a header at the back post that Gibbs White couldn't get to and then Yates uh, had a shot that was blocked from the edge of the box. But Forrest just carried on uh, with the confident play that they had. They had the ball in the net after 50 minutes as Yates broke, broke from midfield and Newcastle were playing sort of a high line, but he slots it through to a one-year. He looked about a yard or two offside, but he did well to stride forward. Dan Burn was closing the angle and he rifled it into the net. Offside, right rightly given, to rule that one out. But, you know, a really good start from Forrest and they
0: looked like the team that were going to win the game, if any team was. Yeah, and again, uh, Newcastle's defence carried on in that sort of shaky, slightly panicky kind of way. So, yeah, and they the difference between the first half and the second half was we were in their half most of the time and making them feel that that nerve um whereas in the first half we sat off them a lot more trying to catch them on the break a bit um and yeah definitely certainly up to whatever 60 or 70 minutes i'd have said we were the team that deserved three points of that game yeah well, 100% so newcastle had a chance about
2: 10 minutes into the Half, they got down the right. It was the first attack, really, of the half. Uh, Longstaff fan, Trippier, and his cross was towards the back post. And I think if anyone else but Miguel Almaron had been on there, you'd have been worried. But he never looked like getting to the ball. If it's not on his left foot, I don't think he's uh, any good, really. But then a few minutes later, 62 minutes, Forrest had a huge penalty appeal and a huge chance to score, I thought, really. They get a a goal kick and it's Matt Sells who plays at a really good distance, actually, all the way over the top. And... It's one of them that maybe Dabravka could have came for, but with the doubts, with the goal that Elango scored in the first half, maybe he leaves it, and that meant the ball drops for Taiwo on the edge of the box as he's racing towards goal. But his poor initial touch off his sort of knee, and it never really got control of the ball, really, and it went behind for a goal kick. But as it was going behind for a goal kick, the goalkeeper Dabravka is on the floor stretching, reaching for the ball, doesn't get near the ball, and appears to bring down a on one-year about two or three yards out in from to goal. VAR looked at it, Anthony Taylor was, you know, a long way away from it, given in mind it was a goal kick, so maybe you can't expect him to see it. But VAR chose not to send him to the monitor. And, you know, it's a big appeal for a penalty. I think most people in the ground and looking back on it would think it was a penalty. But personally, I think Tywo's got to stick that chance away.
0: Well, actually, I think everyone's talking about Debravka and his arm. But I also think, I think it was Cher. Um, part of the reason Tywo was off balance was because share shoves him Um is Like shares right on Taiwo's shoulder as he receives the ball, they both run in, and as I said before, shares not the fastest, mm-hmm. so I think he shoves um, Taiwo beforehand, which is where I mean, he didn't have a great control of the ball, but it that made the, the control even worse, and then Dvorakka takes him down. Um, I can see why it wasn't given because Taiwo didn't have control of the ball, but. I wouldn't have been surprised if it if it had been the other way, it probably would have been given. That's that's the, the galling thing about it, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it is stark that pretty much everywhere you look on Twitter, all the organisations are saying it should have been a penalty and for guys to go in Forrest's favour in that way, then it, it must be a bit of a howler. Um, but Forrest continued busting the game. Newcastle only had two shots in the second half and they all came within two minutes of each other. The first one was a wild one from Anthony Gordon back midway through the half and, you know, it was never going to, Really hit it on target from there, but I think it was more one in frustration because Newcastle just never really looked like threatening Forest. But a minute later, they had another one and they made it count. Nick Williams made a nice tackle on the right, he won the ball back, and it breaks for Elanga, who is obviously then under Nuno trying to get Forrest counter-attacking and on the transition very quickly. He tried to pick out Gibbs White, but lurking was Bruno Gemaris as he was all game. He was everywhere and. As Jack said, he was fantastic on the night. Gamarez pounces on it and his first touch takes him towards the edge of the box. Then I think it's Dan Byrne who gets in the way of Dominguez uh, as he tries to get to him to block the shot. And then it opens up for Gamarez to stroke it into the bottom right corner, composedly from inside the D. Send the Newcastle fans celebrating. I don't think they've been, been looking through the binoculars most of the game at the far forest end. But the first time Newcastle come forward, they score.
0: Goalkeeper gets to it, diving to his left. Do you think he could have done better with that? Um, no, to be honest, I'm not surprised because especially like, what, three, four minutes after the penalty appeal, that's the same as um, when we concede. It's like we just fall asleep a little bit and yeah, we should have been sharper and it shouldn't have got to that in the first place, really. Um, same old story. Yeah, it's
2: yet another defensive error, isn't it? And I suppose... That's what you get for having a player like a langer or a winger. Yes, you want your, your players to cover, but a winger in that position, often that could be the case, really.
0: Uh, if you you think if it had been Gibbs-White who'd received the ball, then trying to play it the ball forward to a langer, it wouldn't have happened that way.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's just unfortunate circumstances. And yet again, Forrest a uh, victim of that. So I don't think Forrest's head's dropped, though. Nuno um, was quite positive in his substitutions, bringing on Origi, Reina, and Danilo, and I think his intentions were pretty clear. Uh, Tavares had a chance soon after the goal. He skipped into the penalty area past Trippier, and no one was really in the middle. I thought Origi could have made himself a bit of an option, so he decided to lash it towards goal. He had one early in the half that he ballooned high into the end. This one was a bit closer, uh, but he still couldn't get it on target. But Forrest looked like they were going to
0: get an equaliser. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have said that. I thought, actually... Um... Once Tywo went off and we were all expecting him to go off because for obvious reasons, I thought we lacked a bit of cutting edge. We were still making the, the, the run-in and we were dominating the, the possession and the, the the ball was still in Newcastle's half. But we didn't have that little bit of cutting edge with that. Newcastle looked much more comfortable when we had the ball once Tywo had gone off. And it's that whole thing of, yeah, defenders don't really know how to deal with him. and But Origi... He wasn't bad, but he wasn't he wasn't scaring them. And so that, that meant that yeah, they were just that little bit more comfortable. Um, I also have to say the a big change for Newcastle was, and I think it was before their goal, uh, they took Almiron off and Harvey Barnes came on, and he was playing on there the the Gordon and Barnes swapped wings, so he was playing right in front of us, so he was getting a ton of stick for being a Leicester reject, but He actually helped them out a lot because they weren't. um, They were able to keep the ball a little bit. When they cleared it, it wasn't coming straight back at them. He was making the difference in just being able to keep hold of the ball a little bit. Yeah,
2: and as the half went on, Newcastle slowly started to look a bit more confident, and Forest sort of dwindled. Really, I think Forest's game, Newcastle's game management, really came into it. They, as soon as they got the foot on the ball, like you say, Gordon Barnes were keeping it as far away as they could. And as six minutes of stoppage time were indicated, you wondered whether the pendulum would swing and Forrest would get that chance, but it never really looked like coming in the end. So Forrest couldn't get over the line. They lost in the end, 3-2. And they, yeah, another defeat at home. Uh, We're going to have a short break. I'm sure you're sick of me and Baz moaning. So when we come back, we're going to discuss some positives from the game, some standout performances, Nuno's comments and where it leaves Forrest going forward. 1865 Match Report. We're pleased to announce that this episode of 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised forest fixture over the 23 24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on the TV, but this month there's also free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Hello and welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast and our match report from Forest's 3-2 defeat at home to Newcastle on Saturday night. Let's look at some of the comments that Nuno said then after the game to Colin Frey. He said that we did a lot of good things in the match and we could have, could have and should have changed the result, but we're still making mistakes that are costing us. He said that the goals we are conceding are far too easy for the opposition and we've got to be more switched on from set-piece situations. And on the penalty incident, he said that, I've seen the replay and I don't understand how he hasn't given a penalty, especially with VAR and all the replays. I don't think you can argue with much that he said there.
0: Uh, no, I mean, as I said, I, I I can understand why the penalty wasn't given, given that Taiwo didn't have it under control. It's whether you think it was uh, what the reason that he didn't have it under control. But apart from that, um, yeah, if we knew how to defend, set pieces and the second phase 2-1 to us would have been a fair result but we don't know how to defend and and I mean you said at the end of the second half as whether Forrest could maybe pull one pull one back but um there was this little bit of me with us playing so high up the pitch basically camped in their half that I was expecting a 4-2 defeat at the end of it <laughs> yeah you you wouldn't have been surprised
2: that it would have been so Forrest to do that but let's touch yeah. on the positives. Briefly, I thought Dominguez last night was fabulous. He's all over the park. He always gives 100% winning tackles and he was just generally a thorn in Newcastle's side. He was our version of Dominguez. I think um, Tavares, you also said, who was was fabulous. And Giovanni Reina came off the bench and looked promising, I thought. But the one thing you want to touch on was Morgan Gibbs who in the first half. Tell me about that
0: incident. It was fabulous. So, so, uh, this, was, this was right in front of me because I sort of sit um, near the halfway line. And it was a Newcastle attack, and Murillo does his little sprinting to to recover kind of thing, gets his foot under the ball to clear it. But instead of going into Rosehead as you'd hope, it's like an up and under, and just comes back and sort of lands about maybe five ten yards just inside the 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 line. Um, Gibbs White uses his strength to push them, the Newcastle player off uh, away from the ball and then it's coming down from like 20 or 30 yards, so must be at quite a pace, but he just traps it on the top of his foot, turns, beats his man, and then starts an attack. And as I say, it was right in front of me, and it was an absolutely majestic piece of skill that um, no one else in the Forest team could probably do.
2: Yeah, you're right. And not not many players in the Premier League could do that. I could imagine it was, yeah, it was a moment of real class, but... On sort of Newcastle's performance, I mean, they only had two shots in the second half, seven in total and individual error set pieces costing us again. And it's the case in a relegation battle that these goals always seem to go in for you when it doesn't seem to change.
0: The thing is, yeah, it's always individual errors and it generally seems to be a different individual each Mm -hmm. time. But there's like a a famous phrase, which is uh, once is a mistake, twice is a choice. If we keep on letting it happen... It doesn't matter who actually makes the error. If it keeps on, if we keep on letting it happen again and again and again, then that's a systemic problem. And I mean, Nuno has this reputation of being quite a defensive coach, and I mean, obviously he's, he's still quite new to the job. But we need to get this sorted out because it is really, really costing us, and um, we're proper looking over our shoulders now. And that's the frustration because there was a couple of serial offenders. You look at Matt Turner
2: and we've spoken enough about him. And personally, I thought Gonzalo Montiel at fullback has been a liability over the past month. And the fact that he's not available for selection at the minute, I think, will improve Forrest defensively. Although I'm not going to be happy that a player is injured. Um, so taking away from the game then, I think it would have been crucial for Forrest to get something out of the game because you look at Everton and Luton not getting any results forest now sit 16th just two points ahead of everton and if you look at above the table uh, crystal palace are three points i think ahead of
0: forest we're slowly getting cut off aren't we yeah and the, the 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 worrying thing is that um it is it's in our power <laughs> uh, obviously we've got the the potential points deduction to come but um it's in our power to get out of this um what has changed since Nuno's come in is we're scoring goals, which um, I don't know if that's just a confidence thing or uh, whether Nuno's asked them to do something differently. But I, I mean, I don't really see that much that we're doing differently on the pitch. Um, it's just we're actually getting the goals at the end of it or creating the chances and getting the goals, which maybe we weren't a few months ago. But that same thing of the the defensive problems, we need to sort that out because otherwise we are in trouble. I mean, we were kind of lucky as well that um, that Luton didn't gain more ground as well. Yeah,
2: and I think you're right, that's a huge difference because under Cooper, it was slightly more defensive because we had the midfield three of Dominguez, Sangare, Mangala, Gibbs White on the wing and not enough balance really. So we always slightly look better defensively. But now, because we look a bit better attacking with Gibbs White in the middle, m- more balance on the wings and more service to the strikers it's then gone the other way and we're now losing 3-2 instead of Mm -hmm. 2-0. So, yeah, I just want to touch finally on the home atmosphere because I think we've seen this season why second season syndrome is such a big thing because you you see Forest were against the world last season. The City Ground for a tie against Crystal Palace were shouting, screaming, chanting from the start till the end. But now we're 17th um, in the home form table this season compared to 10th last season. We've lost more home games in the Premier League than we did in the whole of last season now. And it's just not the same at the City Ground anymore, is it?
0: I thought actually it was it was good yesterday. Mm. It, it, but it, we're back to where we were before Steve Poop came in, which is it takes something happening on the pitch to get us noisy, yeah. whereas it was the other way around last season. And I really enjoyed that last season. I thought that was... It makes me feel part of it and like I've got a little bit of control over what's happening on the pitch. But um, yeah, we were quite noisy yesterday, but we were also flat when things dropped off. And it will be nice to get back to that, but I can completely understand why it's happening.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's back to being in spells, isn't it? And where last season, if you're 3-2 down with 15 minutes to go everyone is singing Forest and Magic on and off the pitch and trying to get yeah. the lads over the line. People are instead leaving and walking over Trent Bridge. So I think that's the difference. Oh, you hear a, a bit of,
0: um, like, uh, there was a Yates, yeah, you see, rubbish and all that kind of yeah. stuff, stands, which didn't really happen as much last season. Yeah, it's the unity that that sort of evaded yeah. once
2: Cooper left and... It was always going to go that way, I think. On a positive note, Derby remained the worst team in Premier League history after (laughs) Sheffield United got a victory. So happy
0: annual Derby Day, (laughs) Bas. Yes, that's still one of my, um, yeah, a cherished cherished fact (laughs) that we will hold dear to us. Even more than the... um, the uh, Champions League, uh, the European World Cup, one there. Yeah, uh, you could stick your European cups. We'll rather have Derby being the worst team in history.
2: Yeah, there was a time last season we thought Forest might take that. So it's a good job that teams are still flying high and uh, evading that. Um, yeah, I think that's about all we've got time for. So I think we'll leave it there uh, as we reflect on Forest continuing struggles at the City Ground losing 3-2 to Newcastle. Uh, Thanks to Baz and thanks to Jack from the Tune Under podcast. And thanks, listener, for your time. We'll be back on Friday with the Friday Five before the West Ham game next week. A game that looks like Forrest have just got to get something now uh, from. But until then, have a great week and we'll see you soon. Goodbye.